don't mind, I'd like to pray and ask God to come and help us not only understand this passage a little bit better, but to press upon us what we're meant to be. So let's pray together. Father, uh, I ask that you would come here now and help us. Um, We are naturally averse to listening to you. We want to fill our lives with distractions and different means to escape your voice. And so we pray now that you would open our ears that we may hear and open our hearts that we may really listen and take in what you have to say to us. I pray that you would help me because I am a sinner and I need your grace today as I speak. So we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, Do you struggle with the grind? You know what I mean by the grind? This is the grind. You know, you get up, you get ready, you get the kids ready, whatever your normal morning routine is. You get everybody out the door. You uh, go to work. You work the same job that you've been working for a long time. You stop and maybe have a break for lunch. And you come back and you work the job again, the same old stuff. And then you come home and you have dinner and you get the kids ready if you have the kids, you know. Um, and then you maybe have a little bit of time to hang out with your spouse or with your dogs or cats or whatever you hang out with for a while. And then you go back to sleep and repeat, 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 you know. Every day, the same thing over and over and over again. Does that wear you out? I had a friend recently tell me about a conversation he had with his son about the grind. And his son said, Dad, why do we keep on doing this? What's the point? (laughs) Our kids, even our kids are wondering about something deeper. Um, I read of a megachurch pastor recently uh, from the Portland area And uh, after a long sort of career in burnout, he says this to himself, why am I in such a hurry to become someone I don't even like? (laughs) Isn't that a great quote? Why am I in such a hurry to become someone I don't even like? That is the suburban question. That is the question produced by the grind. And even adults, like like many of us, are wondering about something deeper too. You see, without a deeper call or an inner purpose... Our lives just become mundane and flat. Even church can feel this way, right? Uh, You go to worship or you go to youth group um, and you serve and you do your best you can. You come and do what you can at church and repeat, repeat, repeat. Um, And it seems that without a sense of purpose and direction in our lives, even church can slip into the grind, right? Well, There's a place in Scripture where Jesus' followers felt a great disconnection from their purpose, too. Um, It was a little different than our daily grind. Uh, They had spent three years with Jesus, and then suddenly their rabbi was taken from them. He was arrested, and he was murdered. And they became scattered as a group. They became distraught. And um, after Jesus's, and, and then something happened um, that gave them all a renewed inner purpose that was so strong, get this, every one of them but one died to live it out. 
What was it? What happened that renewed this inner purpose in their lives? Well, it was Jesus. The rabbi that they had followed and had died was raised from the dead. (laughs) And Jesus, when he was raised from the dead, um, gave them a new way of, a new power, a, a new way of life that they never expected. I want you to listen to how Matthew describes Jesus' interaction with the disciples after he rose from the dead as we read Matthew 28 today. Uh, We're going to look at verses 16 through the end of the chapter. 16 through 20. Let me read this for us. It says this, Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted. And Jesus came and he said to them, All authority on heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Now, do you see how Jesus gives his followers a purpose? He's just risen from the dead. And he comes to them and he says things that are meant to fill their lives with purpose when they feel scattered, confused, mundane. Uh, Jesus has this way of entrusting and empowering his followers to live out their purpose here in this passage. It's often referred to as the Great Commission. Some of you may have that in in your scriptures. A commission, this is a strange thing, but a commission is a group of people that are given power by someone in authority to accomplish a task. We'll say that again. A commission is a group of people that are given power by someone in authority to accomplish a task. Our government oftentimes creates commissions or committees. A committee is just a group of people that can kind of come to some decision or gain some sort of insight about how to do something and then report back to the authority. But a commission is different because a commission is given power to act to do things that they feel like is best in the, that the authority has given them the authority to do. And that's what's happening here. Um, so this part of the Bible is called the Great Commission because of two reasons. One is that Jesus says that he has all authority. Did you see that in the passage? It says that all authority has, on heaven and earth has been given to me. And then Jesus uses his authority to give the church a purpose and a power to live out that purpose in what they did. I want to look at that for just a moment today. First of all, uh, the authority piece. Jesus begins in verse 18 by saying to them, look at it, all authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. Now, this is important because Jesus is saying here what he proved when he rose from the dead, that he is the king who has all power. He has the power to accomplish anything that he desires, including overcoming and defeating death itself. In other words, Jesus is the only one who has the right to do whatever he wants. Think about that for a minute. We all live our lives dying to do what we want. And Jesus is the only one who truly has that right because he has all authority. All of it is his. Um, And the beauty of the gospel is that Jesus uses his authority not for himself, but to love us. He... He uses it to delight in us. He uses it to fix us, to make us what we're meant to be. Um, 
the Bible story teaches it sort of this way. Uh, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And when he created it, he had all authority, right? God had authority over the whole creation. But human beings rebelled from God's authority and wanted to live their life the way they wanted to and take authority for themselves. And that resulted in misery and ruin. You see, when everybody wants to be in charge of their own life and run it the way they want to, when everyone wants to be God, uh, there's no hope. Because we're going to clash and fight and be divided. But God in his wisdom, in his kindness, sent his son Jesus. And Jesus redeems humanity from sin so that they can learn to flourish again, guess what? Under his authority. Now, authority is a hard word today. It really is. People hate the idea of someone telling them what to do. But yet the impetus of the Bible is this. Look at me. Two eyes, one buck. The, the impetus of the Bible is this, is that God having authority in your life is good news. He knows he designed you. He knows how the world works. And if it's true that he wants good for you, as a father would want good for their children, then of course what's best for us is to learn to live with him as our king, to submit to him as our king. And so what's fascinating about this passage is that Jesus is looking his people in the eye and speaking that redemption is going to come as he works through them. In other words, he says, I have all authority now, and I'm going to restore you. I'm going to give some of that to you so that you may live out your purpose as human beings under my authority as your king. So he uses this authority to commission them uh, to be, to commission his disciples. He gives them a new way of life and a power to live it out. And it's so important to realize this. You'll hear me say this often when we're together. But that Jesus didn't just come to save people from his sins or from something. He came to save them for something. He came them to, he, what is that purpose? What did Jesus come to save us for? Well, we see it in verse 19 where he says, Go therefore and make disciples. Discipleship, being a disciple and making disciples is the purpose to which God has called you in this world. To be a disciple, which is implicit, and to make a disciple. All right? And I want to talk a little bit about that today as we finish up. This purpose of discipleship. Let's ponder and think about that for a minute. Do you think about being a disciple or making disciples as central to your purpose? When you get up in the morning and you put your clothes on and you go do whatever you're going to do. Is the grid that you're working through as you do that, that I am following someone? Is that how you think about your life? Is following Jesus at the core of who you are, or do you see it as some optional peripheral part of life? I can do that you know, when I'm strong enough or when I'm ready enough. Or is being a follower of Jesus central to your way of being as a person? Um, have you ever considered that the apathy, the mundane life, the pride, the frustration that you feel day to day might be because you're living apart from your purpose as a disciple? If you're following Jesus, that all those things are frustrating to you because um, you might be living apart from your purpose. 
Um, you see, living life for self, for our own gain, for, for me, is a distortion of our purpose. It's using the authority that God has commissioned us with for ourselves rather than for others. Um, and the bottom line is this, is that you are a disciple. Whether you like it or not, you are following something. Something that you love is driving you in this life. There's something that you love. If, if you love something more than God, then you are a disciple of it. You're following that thing. So what are you following in your life? What's precious to you? What are you defensive about? Uh, what do you want to sell? What do you think about? What occupies space in your head in life? Well, that thing is probably an idol, is what the scriptures call it. <laughs> If it's not God, and if it's God, then you're on to something here, which is what Jesus is calling us to do. So what does it look like to live out this purpose of following Jesus in our life? I want to give you five quick considerations from the passage um, about following Jesus today. And you can take these home, think about them, pray about them as you will. The first is this. Discipleship is for all of those who know Jesus. All of them. Verse 17 says this. Look at it with me. It says, When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Okay, that's fascinating. That is a fascinating part of the scriptures because it seems to be saying that some of the people who had followed Jesus up to this point, who had doubted once he died, and now they're looking at him in the face, are still doubting. <laughs> you know? Um, and we look at that and go, Is something wrong with those people? You know, they're looking at Jesus. Why are they doubting right now? Um, and the answer is, we don't, we don't know. But what we do know is that he didn't just give the great commission to the people who didn't doubt. He gave it to all of them. So if you're doubty today, if you're not sure, if your heart is wishy-washy like mine, one day you feel passion for God, the next you feel like you're doing things that you never should do. Um, this calling is upon your life for all of us, for those who doubt, for those who don't doubt. You see, uh, one thing that I, I want people to understand about being a disciple is that being a disciple is more directional than it is destinational. Let me explain what that means. Um, we like to think about black and white a lot of times. Either you are a disciple or you're not. Either you're good or you're bad, right? And those are not very helpful distinctions because when you look at a disciple, it is a follower, right? And there can be times in our life when we are following Jesus very closely. We're moving directionally toward him. Um, and there will be times when we're not. And it seems to be that, it, that Jesus asks a lot more questions about where your heart is heading than whether you're in or whether you're out. Does that make sense? Um, I was having a conversation the other day with Rosie, my daughter. And Rosie and I were talking about a friend of ours. And Rosie said, do you think they're a Christian? Um, and I said, uh, what do you mean? <laughs> These days you don't know what that means, right? Do you think they're a Christian? Uh, because everybody claims to be a Christian around here. And so Rosie and I started talking about, well, maybe it's better instead of talking about people as Christians or non-Christians to talk about them as disciples or not disciples. That, are they following? Do you think this person's following Jesus with their life, or do you not? You know, um, 
I think that's just a more helpful way to think about discipleship. Where is your heart moving? Are you moving toward Jesus or away from him? Because you can have someone who has been a Christian one day and their heart is moving toward him. And you can have someone who's been a Christian for 50 years and their heart's moving away from him. Right? And all of your hearts are moving in one direction or another. Toward him or away from him. Right? And so it's a healthy way to think about what it means. That discipleship is about all of us, whether we're moving in or out. Secondly, discipleship is a way of life. Uh, We see this in verse 19, uh, where the first part of the Great Commission says, Go and make disciples unto all nations. And the go is better translated, some of you have heard this before, as you go. I think that's a much more healthy way to uh, translate it. Which means it's not like, hey, I have a job for you to do. Go do the job. But what Jesus is saying is, this is your life. As you live your life, you are making disciples. That is the, it's the call upon us. Um, making and being disciples is not some add-on to our lives. It is a complete reorientation of our life with Jesus at the center. Um, and this reshapes all of our habits and our work, the way we think. Um, also notice that it's, he's calling them to make disciples of what? All nations. This is not, discipleship is not a distinctly Georgian or American thing. Um, Part of being a disciple is seeing your connection to Jesus as your first and primary identity above all others. And that you're connected to all kinds of people. Not just people that look like you or that hang around with you or think like you. But that the Christian, Christendom is huge and we're connected to all those people as disciples. So making disciples is not an optional part of our faith, something only for the most gifted or the mature among us. It's a calling that we share uh, because we've been given and and God has changed our hearts and he's moving us toward himself. So one, discipleship is uh, for all those who know Jesus. Two, discipleship is a way of life. Three, discipleship is not done in isolation, but it's done in a community. Uh, Look with me at verse 19. It says this, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. All right, so that's crucial because baptism is a sacrament, a sign given by God that you belong to Him, but also what? That you belong to His people. That you've entered into a covenant community. And so baptism is the sign that we take when we enter into the church. Uh, it is um, part of discipleship to be connected uh, that we're not meant to follow Jesus alone or in isolation. Um, that This means that individualism and isolation are not the ways of the disciple. I want to say that again. Individualism and isolation are not the ways of the disciple. Um, discipleship is a distinctly church thing. It's meant to be done in a Christian community. We need one another. I think most of you have been around long enough to realize that. They're like, man, you, we need one another in the faith. People to call me out when I'm heading near a cliff, right? Or people to encourage me when my heart is downcast. Or people that will be willing to uh, love me when I'm unlovable, right? Um, so uh, it's entering into a community. Discipleship is also, fourthly, to be, this maybe the most important thing I'll tell you today, practiced. Look at uh, verse 20. 
it says, uh, it, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. All right, that is very important because at first look, this seems like Jesus is saying that being a disciple is about telling other people about his commands. In other words, passing information along. Hey, you need to know this about Jesus. Hey, you need to know this about Jesus. I'm giving you information. But if you look at it, it Jesus actually says, teach them to observe. That word can also be translated practice all the things that I have taught you. You see, there's a big difference between understanding and practice. Understanding and living. There's a big difference between these things. A disciple is not merely someone with knowledge about Jesus, but someone who is actually living out their faith, that's walking with Jesus in their life. It is a relationship, right? It's not merely a possession of understanding. It's actually a walking and talking and knowing Jesus with your life. You're going to hear us talk a lot at Christ the King about abiding in Jesus. We're going to talk about that next week as we look at the vine and the branches passage. But like this is the very heart of what it means to be a Christian with roots that go deep. And that is that we are connected with Jesus. That we are practicing the faith. That we're walking with him. That's why it's communal like we talked about a moment ago. Last thing. Discipleship is realized and empowered by God's presence. We see this in verse 20 at the end where Jesus says to them, Behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. This is a reiteration of the power that we need to follow Jesus. Because if you're like me and you hear what I just said to you, you're thinking, man, I can't, I can't follow him. And my life is a complete uh, mess um, I have so many things that I have to do and things that I have to take care of. I have so many plates that are spinning right now. I can't possibly make time for this in my life. Uh, all Buck's telling me to do is that I need to do more for Jesus. And, um, and what Jesus says to people who feel the same way that you and I do about that is, I am with you. I'm here. I'm not going to leave you. I'm not going to forsake you. The Spirit of God draws near to us and He gives us the power to be apprentices, to follow Jesus in our life. Um, and this is the final word that Jesus gives His disciples and it's a word of good news, you know, to follow Him. Um, some of you may have uh, heard of the uh, children's book called The Runaway Bunny. Have you ever heard of that story before? Um, it, the story isn't complicated. Uh, it's a story of a little bunny who wants to run away and he comes to his mom and he tells her that I'm running away. And his mother says, well, if you run away, I will run after you because you're my little bunny. Um, well, the little bunny looks at his mom and he says, well, if you run after me, um, I will become a fish in the trout stream and I will swim away from you. And the little bunny and the mother says, well, if you do that, then I'll become a fisherman and I'll pursue you. <laughs> And this is how the story goes, right? The little bunny keeps coming up with things to be, like I'll be a rock to get away from you, or a frog to get away from you, or a bird to get away from you, or a sailboat to get away from you. And the mom keeps saying, I'm going to pursue you, right? I'll become a mountain climber, or a gardener, or a tree to land in, or the wind. No matter where the little bunny goes, the mom keeps pursuing. Someone pursuing us is no matter where we run is a love that we long for. 
Someone pursuing you, even though you run away from them, is a love that we long for. Um, It's a love we're looking for in so many of our relationships with one another. And it's a love that we find on display in the gospel. We've said to God, I'm running away from you. I'm not going to act. I'm going to act like I'm God and that you're not. We say, I will become a God and I will live my life the way I want to apart from you. And God says to us, if you run away, I'll run after you. I'll become a man. I'll die the death you deserve to bring you back to me. And I will be with you to the very end of the age. Now that's the kind of pursuit that makes us want to follow. You see that? Want to follow. I will be with you to the very end of the age. I pray that God will give you grace as you think about what it means to be a disciple today. And I pray that discipleship will begin to fill your heart up with purpose in your life so that the grind uh, will be something that will fade away. Let me pray. Uh, Father, we are grateful for your kindness to us that you um, pursue us even though we continually run away. We thank you that you pursued us even to your own death that we may know you. Lord, make us disciples. Help us to think about what life would be like following you. And I pray that as we do, that you would fill us with hope, (laughs) excitement about what it means to be connected to you and to know you like we're meant to. Um, I know there are people here tonight, uh, this afternoon, that are uh, doubtful about this. Um, I pray that you would convince them that following you is for them too. And uh, I know there are people here who have followed you for a long time. And I pray, Father, that you would bring about a fresh sense of being your apprentice in the days ahead. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.